a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification. Is a daily drowning of the flesh and the, and a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and, and forgives our sin, and, and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. Is the Facebook quote page still going on? I don't know. Let me check right now. Okay. I mean, I'm just cruising around Facebook anyway, so <laughs> might as well cruise on over to Table Talk Radio. We, I have a fantastic announcement for our Table Talk Radio listeners. Okay. Um, the, you know, there's not too many times in the world that that all of the Table Talk Radio talent is pooled in one geographic location. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if the listeners know this, but, but uh, I think some sort of a... Uh, influx and like solar energy happens uh, when when we both get together, but uh, there's going to be another opportunity for this coming up, um, June 16th and 17th at Faith Lutheran Church in Roger, Oregon. Hold on, let me write this dates down. Hold on, <laughs> June. You better get this down. 16th and 17th. I'm supposed to be where? The Faith Lutheran Church in Roger, Oregon, will be celebrating their 30th anniversary, and we're uh, having a special presentation. On evangelism and apologetics, um, and our our special present uh, presenters will be uh, Mark Pearson. You know, Mark Pearson. He always comes on and talks about um, you know apologetics with us. I know Mark. Uh, it wasn't Mark the guy, the guest who was on whenever you had the fake voice of me on. Yeah, because <laughs> I wasn't here for the last two segments, and you, Pastor Wolfman, are you still there? Busy playing rock band. <laughs> <laughs> That was when you were in the uh, see if you could replace me with sound bites of me <laughs> phase. I'd like to recover that phase. Too, I know, I would too. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Pastor Wolf will also be presenting and also preaching at the anniversary service uh, on Sunday, uh, June 17th. So if you're I in. I think the title of my presentation is What Single Ladies Should Look For When uh, when Dating a Single you know, Pastor. Some, some jokes can just be recycled. <laughs> it seems like I remember yeah. that joke for the ordination. That sermon oh, yeah. as well. What my, I, I think the ordination <laughs> sermon line was, would all the single ladies please raise your hand? What is taking so long up there? You have to come and help again? <laughs> Sheesh, can't do anything without oh, me. Now, brilliant. by the way, I've noticed something. I was listening to our show the other day. Oops. And there is, you guys know that I'm in Colorado, Evan's up in Oregon, and we have this fancy thing that connects our voices, gets super high audio fidelity connection or something. But I noticed that there is a slight delay. I don't know how long this delay is. Between when I say something and when it gets to your computer to be recorded, it's probably a fraction of a second. I, I bet it's a third of a second or something like this. But it's just enough to make me sound a little bit slow. A little bit 
Like I lack a little bit of that witty edge. Uh, actually, there is zero delay, so it might just <laughs> be you. <laughs> so I have the, so I've got a new strategy now. I'm going to start laughing before you actually get to the punchline <laughs> of your jokes, so that it doesn't seem like I'm so slow. That would assume that there are. Pun- <laughs> <laughs> that would assume there are punchlines in my jokes. <laughs> Good grief. This is miserable. <laughs> All right. I'm ready for buzzwords. What else is going on today? Got some buzzwords, got some email, got some predictable pasture. Yeah. That's, what else would you need? What else would you need in the world? Table talk Jeopardy? Oh, oh yeah, Jeopardy. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Why? I mean... I forgot. <laughs> uh, but that's all right. It'll be good. It'll be plenty of time. we got a half an hour to get ready for that. All right. My theological buzz phrase for you is growth in doctrine. Um, oh, this, nice. Yeah, I think we've had this one before, but uh, that's okay. Growth in doctrine is the belief that God continues to reveal and develop new doctrines in the church today. Uh, so that whereas um, we would say that uh, uh, we receive uh, our doctrine only from Holy Scripture, uh, and since Holy Scripture is not morphing or changing, like the the, the words on the page don't you know move around or change, um, that our our uh, doctrine is then um, uh, is the same. I don't know what word I'm looking for. It stays the same. Uh, so therefore, we do not uh, then have growth in doctrine. But other people uh, see that that God can others. Uh, the others, the other people, uh, see that God is continuing to reveal <laughs> new new doctrines in the church, and this is done through various ways, like a uh, pope or through uh, um, uh, the 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 culture. You know, some people say that the culture um, is sort of the uh, the spirit moving, uh, this kind of thing. Uh, but no, we we look to Holy Scripture alone for our only true source of doctrine. Right. Now, have the growth of doctrine folk, that's mostly the libs, you know. The libs and the charismatics, which are they are the same thing, by the way. They come from... The libs and the charismatics are like the two brothers. You know, one is a hippie, the other's a businessman. But when you get right down to it, they're still twins. And the and the, here's the thing, is that they, they've... They've departed one way or another from the external word. So, of course, you got to have developing doctrine because there's nothing established and nothing sure. But what I want to know is, have they come up with a Latin phrase for that? G-R-O-W-T, growth of doctrine. I'm going to look right now. Do you know? I don't know. Because if I was ever inventing some new kind of doctrine, what I would the first thing I would do is I would translate the little catchphrases into Latin so then it would come with the air of kind of respect or whatever <laughs> you know what i'm saying maybe you should translate your name into latin maybe i should translate table talk radio into latin. <laughs> i'm gonna do that after i look up growth of doctrine in uh on here well now, my buzzword for you this should be not hard but i i wanted to actually define it again so it, th- this definition echoes around in our minds we don't forget this and that is the gospel now the gospel is the promise of the forgiveness of sins uh, one for us by the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, so now the thing that that we don't want to leave out of that definition is the word promise, because that's what gospel means, good news. It's a message. It's a word of, about something. And so sometimes we say, what's the gospel? And we say, it's the death of Jesus on the cross. Well, no, uh, more specific, the gospel is the promise of the forgiveness of sins that comes from the death of Jesus on the cross. You see that that uh, that difference there? 
So we can loosely say that the death of Jesus on the cross is a gospel, but it's more specific. It's it's that it's that death delivered to us by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, by the promise, by the preaching, etc. Uh, and that's why faith is so important, because faith is what receives the promise. So that's my buzzword. Good enough. Okay, let's go to the email uh, bag there. You got it right there? Got oh, sure. Email, Reed? Uh, yeah, I do. I have loads of email here. Let me see. Growth of doctrine in Latin? That's not on here. Uh, we got one <laughs> Questions from Jeff. at tabletalkradio.org is the address, by the way, if you would like to send us a question or a comment. Jeff, send us an email. Yeah, Jeff in Atlantic City. Dear Good Enough for Government Work Radio. Hey. Wait a minute. Hey. That's obviously mistaken. Yeah. While watching TV, a commercial came on touting a visit to Atlantic City. The theme music? Table Talk Radio's lead-in music. I agree with Wolfmuller. It's awful. And now, when I hear it, all I can think about is losing money at the slots, horrible comedy clubs, and dirty ocean water. I wonder if I should take my comedy show on the road to Atlantic City. Yeah. Okay. Do that. Combine that with the less-than-capable radio, and it makes me fall off the treadmill, and I wish I was in... I don't know what this word is. Bucolic? What's that word mean? Dear listeners, please understand big words. <laughs> that when you're talking to us, just vocabulary of fifth grade, please. I wish I was in bucolic-sounding Rogue River. Yeah, you Time should. June 16th and 17th, too. Oh, yeah, nice. P.S. You should sue Atlantic City Tourism Board. Uh, Jeff, ELCA, listener number three. Thanks, Jeff, for the uh, for the email. Now is that is that listener number three who happens to be ELCA or the third ELCA listener? I don't know. I don't know because well, there's a li- ELCA listener number one and two who I can't remember. I should have my list of our twelve listeners over here up so we could just address them by name. Right. Remember how issues etc. when they were coming back on kept thanks to so and so and so and they were reading the petition. Mm-hmm. There's four billion names. We could do that every show. In fact, our bump. I you know since since we're changing. Since we're going to change the bump music, Whoa, because we always we do what that. the listener hold, hold on, requests. Hold on, Because the I, listener is always right. I'm pretty sure the tribe has already spoken on that. <laughs> Since we're going to change the bump music, then, uh, what I uh, say is we should just change the bump and, be, and say that like this. It should say, hey, Jeff, Dad, get ready for the next show. <laughs> we just name all our listeners. Might as well. That's more Peter. Other, yeah. You have another one there? We have about Logan. 30 seconds here. I do here. Uh, uh, Ruben uh, has sent us a couple emails. Here's another one. Here, our OCB official Calvinist blogger. Ruben writes, Hey now, what's with Pastor Ketchup Mayo's bald-faced assertion that Calvinists <laughs> prioritize sanctification over justification? Book of Concord B, show 197. And claiming sole Lutheran ownership of the concept that obedience flows from forgiveness. The White Horse Inn guys say that exact same thing just about every week, and they're 75% Calvinist. I'm only counting Jones as half because he's a Baptist. <laughs> but I'm also claiming half of Rosenblatt because his name has the same Calvinist D that you find in Canons of Dort. <laughs> the Calvinist D. Seriously, though, the concept of sanctification flowing from justification is built right into Heidelberg, which in question two sets forth a three-part guilt, grace, gratitude outline of the entire catechism. And then we have the quote here. I'll read that after the bump. How's that? Okay. We'll be right back after this commercial break, and uh, we'll finish up this email, and then we're going to play The Predictable Pastor. Woo-hoo. Find out how that works right after this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, imputing the awesomeness of Worldview Everlasting into your favorite show, Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Before the break, Fast Wolfman, you were reading this email from Ruin. Oh, yeah. The OCB. By the way, I've uh, done my uh, show prep here, and I don't know. Google Translate wants to say for Table Talk Radio into Latin, Minsa Disputatio Radio. I'm not sure if that's right. I gotta. I wonder if you have to actually know Latin. You know, I have Google Translate. The verb for talk is loqui. I wonder if it should be Minsa Loqui Radio. Apparently, there's no Latin word for radio. Maybe radio is comes from the Latin. Maybe so. Now, anyway, uh, what I was going to say is, oh, yeah, I translate my sermons into French for a uh, number of families that, from Africa that come to uh, the, the service. And, and so I, there's this whole group of people I preach to, and I have no idea what I'm saying. It's amazing. Huh. But back to Reuben. Uh, there's <clears throat> no way that could be very accurate. <laughs> what, what I've done, though, I've, I've, I've tried this a few times with Google Translate. So I take the sermon, I translate into French, then I translate it into some other language like Algiers. Algerian or something, and then I translate it back into English to see if it, you know, came across. Yeah, and how's it, it do? It, it does pretty good, in oh, fact. Okay, so that's all I know. Here's the Heidelberg Catechism. Look, Reuben, we're giving the Heidelberg Catechism airtime. <laughs> How many things are necessary for thee to know that thou, enjoying this comfort, mayest live and die happily? Remember the question one of the Catechism is, what's the purpose of man? Isn't that what it is? Uh, something like that. To know God and enjoy him forever. Three, okay, so here are the three things necessary to know that you can enjoy comfort, that you can live and die happily. Three, the first, how great my sins and miseries are. The second, how I may be delivered from all my sins and miseries. And third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. So there you go. Apparently, apparently what that means is that Calvinists do not prioritize sanctification over justification. Okay. Or apparently what it means is Calvinists don't want to be labeled as prioritizing sanctification <laughs> over justification. Well, we should get uh, Ketchemeyer on and have him uh, rebuttal that. Rebuttal. Here's the problem with the Calvinists. They don't have the sacraments. Boom. Take that. <laughs> that's, that's your excuse for everything is the Calvinists. <laughs> well, that's a, you know, I've to, did, I to, did I just say this thing not on the air or on the air? I can't remember about how if you stand next to someone and shoot the arrow, it seems like they're going to the same place until they get 100 miles down the way and then they're totally... That was different. on the air because I remember being critical of anyone who could shoot an arrow 100 miles. But Well, then fine. Okay. Let's move on <laughs> to the game we call Predictable Pasture, which works like this. Uh, you're going to... I'm going to listen to something and then talk about it for a couple of minutes, and then you are going to predict what I'm going to say. Yeah. And then, and you get points if you get it right, and then you're going to listen to something and talk about it, and I've got four things that I think you're going to say, and then I get points if you do say them. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so the the clip I have for you is uh, President Obama on his recent change of opinion on um, homosexual marriage. 
breaking news, historic news here uh, on this Wednesday. The president of the United States now coming forward and saying he supports equal rights when it comes to marriage. He spoke with ABC News just a little while ago. Take a listen. I have to tell you, as I said, I've, I've been going through an evolution on this issue. Um, I've always been adamant that uh, gay and lesbian uh, Americans should be treated fairly and equally. Uh, and that's why, in addition to everything we've done in this administration, rolling back Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, so that uh, you know, outstanding Americans can serve our country, uh, whether it's no longer defending the Defense Against Marriage Act, which uh, tried to federalize uh, what has historically been state law, uh, I've stood on the side of broader equality for uh, the LGBT community. Um, and I had hesitated on gay marriage, uh, in part because I thought civil unions would be sufficient, that that was something that would give people hospital visitation rights and uh, other uh, elements that we take for granted. Uh, and uh, I was sensitive to the fact that uh, for a lot of people, you know, the, the word marriage was something that evokes very powerful traditions, religious beliefs, and so forth. Um, but I have to tell you that over the course of uh, several years, as I talk to friends and family and neighbors, uh, when I think about uh, members of my own staff who are incredibly committed, monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together, uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. All right, there's a clip from CNN. Now, before you uh, offer your response, Pastor Wilfred, we should say that uh, there's maybe a twofold point to this game. First, that it is a good thing to have a predictable pastor. I mean, you don't want your pastor to get up in the pulpit, and, and this is an unpredictable pastor. I have no idea what this pastor is going to preach. Now, certainly... we. Uh, we don't know exactly what the, the, the exact words that your pastor is going to say. But you should expect your pastor to stand up in the pulpit and, uh, and, and call you a sinner and to uh, announce in the forgiveness of sins. So it's a good thing to have a predictable pastor. Secondly, uh, our listeners can play along. What, how would you respond to this, and how does your response uh, coincide with the pastoral response? So with that said, Pastor Ruff Muller, please. Yes, I think now, by the way, this is a Sixth Commandment issue. So if you have children to whom the Sixth Commandment barely applies, you might want to tune out for the next few minutes. Uh, Don't worry, they tune out anyway. <laughs> Even the adults. <laughs> Everyone is basically tuned out. We don't have to warn the listeners, because that assumes that there are... Our listeners. <laughs> now, uh, here, here's where... There there's so many things to say about this. Um, it's really quite incredible, but... Uh, I mean, f first of all, here's the thing that I do not understand. We have this language of LGBT, right? Which means, apparently, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. 
bisexual and trans. Now, let's just do a little Latin work here. The word bi in there, the little <laughs> B in the LGBT, means two. Now, I do not understand how someone who is a who has the word who has the word bi prefixing their particular adjective can also be at the same time monogamous. Because remember the Latin <laughs> mono means one. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? I know, yeah. In, a, in other words, these two things are fantastically exclusive of one another. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. However, I would here, like to point out that the the difference, and I know you know this, but the difference is that they're speaking more ontologically uh, when you're speaking, oh, I don't know what the term would be, uh, behaviorally, for lack of a but better see, word. But see, this is this thing, is that if, if I know they're speaking ontologically, but the ontological manifestation of being bisexual is, con- is contradictory to the expression of monogamy. In, in other words, it's... If the person that says, well, so here comes someone and they say, I'm I'm bisexual, which, whatever that means. They say, well, you can get married to one person. They say, wait, you're going to tread on me, brother? How can you limit me? Look who I am. I ought to be married to a man and a woman if I want to. You see? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can that? And so, so the whole idea of monogamy here is just a head fake. I mean, it's not a real thing. It's not... I mean, pretty soon we're going to have to, for the bees in the LGBT, have to come up with a monogamous relationship. <laughs> I mean, to be if we're going to be consistent. Right. So the whole thing now just doesn't make sense. Now the other thing here that's a, so, uh, uh, so that's the first kind of internal contradiction in the whole argument, and no one has been able to explain that to me. I mean, when the ELCA come, came along and it said that hey, we can have practicing. Um, homosexuals, people, LBG, LGBT, and they can be pastors as long as they're in a committed monogamous relationship. How can you do that? How can and and what you begin to see is that that, that monogamy and committed and relationship all begin to mean totally different things. So that the the words are simply being taken away. Now we have then you get to the word marriage, which uh, President Obama said that he. Um, his his opinion has evolved. What normally we would call flip flopping, his opinion <laughs> his opinion on this has evolved, and it has to do with the word marriage. Now, now this is just fascinating, fascinating, because it doesn't have to do. He's not for him the word is just a symbol. It's not a real thing. Marriage is not a real thing. It's just a label that we put onto something. And he was willing to give the religious people and the traditionalists their word marriage while redefining everything else. See, but marriage is not a real thing uh, for him. It's just a the word. It's just a it's just a kind of symbolic sort of word, and so it can be moved and changed and and filled with a new with a new uh, with a new meaning, which is wrong. I mean, marriage is a thing. Uh, to have a baby, you have to have one man and one woman. I mean, there's no other way to go about babying. Uh, and so the very definition of of human society, the very establishment of what it means to be in a world where there is generations, comes from this thing of a man and a woman, from marriage. You can't just simply change the definition. And in fact, 
we know that the government is there to serve the real thing of marriage and of life and of family and not the other way around. Okay, uh, let's see after this commercial break how many of uh, the items that you just brought out, the bullet points that I predicted that you would say. That's coming up after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. Blah, blip, blah, blah, blah. I don't care if I die. Blah, blip, blah, blah, blah. I don't care if I die. Don't ever leave me. Don't ever say goodbye. Have you ever felt like you were all alone in the world? You were probably listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing the game The Predictable Pastor. And the and the pastor who is so predictable uh, is not yet done. So, <laughs> coming off of that clip uh, from CNN on uh, President Obama's evolution of views on, on gay marriage, Pastor Wolfmuller, what else do you have to say about the topic? I mean, it's two more things just to kind of round this thing out. Here, So when we watch the kind of devolution of the Sixth Commandment in our society... It's, a, it's taken a really interesting track. So Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery, protects God's gift of family and sexuality, etc. Uh, and rightly defines and orders it and all of this sort of thing for the service of the neighbor. Now, as we see it devolve, we see it first, we, the argument is, this is private. Uh, what I do in the bedroom is none of the government's business, right? So first, um, the uh, intimacy is privatized. And then now all sorts of uh, kind of deviant uh, sexuality becomes normal, including adultery, uh, fornication, living together outside of marriage, uh, the kind of over-sexualized culture that we have, the, the, um, the incredible uh, profligation of, of pornography, uh, homosexuality, um, uh, one-night stands, all of this. In other words, every kind of form of the Sixth Commandment is, is, is just kind of broken. But it's because it's private. You can't. It's not none of this is illegal. But now what happens is now the argument is, well, what's private should now be made public. <laughs> so first, the argument is it's none of your business what I do in the bedroom. But now the argument is you have to approve, sanction uh, legally what I do, publicly sanction what mm-hmm. I do in the bedroom. Yeah. And you say, now, wait a minute. When did that change? I thought it was private. I thought it was nobody's business uh, what you do in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. Now it's your business. Now you got to go and your courthouse has to say it's okay for me and this other guy or uh, this gal and this other gal to go and lie down like we're husband and husband or wife and wife or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm working on an article, uh, and it's, it's dealing with the witch ladders. You know Kaberly's witch ladders? Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, and uh, that's one of the points they bring up, that that, that man is always trying to self-justify. And uh, sort of the, uh, the the push for, for gay marriage is certainly evidence of that, right? So certainly... Uh, um, Two homosexuals could do whatever they wanted outside of, you know, in in the privacy of their own bedroom, and and there's no law anyone stopping them. But the uh, desire to have it legally sanctioned is um, an attempt to justify it in uh, in their own minds. So that if I can only get the state to to say that this is right, um, it, e- it eases my conscience against uh, uh, biology that testifies against it. Right. 
the testimony of the, the, the biology always accuses. How would you say that? <laughs> Biologos semper accusat. Okay, are you ready to hear out uh, how predictable Oh, one more thing are? about this. Oh, okay. One more thing Go about on. this. Yeah. Uh, and that is this. Is more that points there for are me, don't worry. People, yeah, that's right. There's, there are people who struggle, uh, have deep, deep struggles with the temptation to uh, homosexuality. And um, the church ought to be... In fact, I was in St. Louis last week, and and, uh, and this announcement came out from uh, President Obama, and people have been clamoring... Uh, pa- President Harrison told us people have been clamoring to, for him to come and say something or whatever. And he says, look, people know where we stand on this. We need to be, we need to be there with a, a, a strong, strong word of law and a stronger word of gospel for people who are dealing with this temptation so that the church becomes a pe- a place of refuge for sinners for all all types of sinners and we can say to those who are struggling with this temptation look your temptation does not define you you are god's child redeemed by jesus baptized into his name and so come uh to church and hear of the lord's goodness and his blessings so you uh, so you might say we don't need gay marriage because we have baptism. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Okay, uh, I actually didn't fare too well on this one. I only came away with 200 points. Um, I, this uh, monogamy is irrelevant. I, I nailed that one. I knew you were going to say that. I also thought that you might um, uh, talk about how uh, there is not... Um, unequal rights here, but that actually all people already do have equal rights. Yes, I was going to say that, but I forgot. Well, thanks a lot. Give yourself 100 points. (laughs) I mean, the gay man can go and marry any woman who would marry him, just like the straight man can. I mean, that's the point. Right. And the straight man can't go marry some guy. I mean, you see, the the rules do not say... uh, if you are gay, you can't be married. See, I mean, of course they don't say that. We want equal rights according to our desires. Right, so you actually want unequal rights. <laughs> uh, and then I thought you might uh, go on a rampage about uh, uh, kids being adopted by the, the homosexual um, partners, as uh, as Obama mentioned there. Um, I thought you might latch on to Obama's statement there that this is his personal uh, his personal view. But we all know that when a president has a personal view, it's hardly a personal view. I mean, right. we're asking him to I – mean, when we elect someone to the office of president, we're asking them to take his personal views and to, to lead the country. So it's uh, – a president can't hardly have a personal view about something. Right. Um, and then I also just automatically add the terms et cetera, et cetera, and marvelous on there, neither of which you said. I know. I was trying to avoid those. <laughs> You did say uh, something else, though, along the lines of Marvelous, but fair enough. Okay, well, uh, goodness, we're halfway through the third segment. Do you, want to, do you still want to play Predictable Pastor? Uh, it's up to you. You want to, you want to talk about atheism, or you want to go on to uh, uh, Dog Jeopardy? Oh, let's, let's, let's talk about atheism. All right. Okay, this is uh, Atheism 2.0. One of the most common ways of dividing the world is into those who believe and those who don't, into the religious and the atheists. And for the last decade or so, it's been quite clear what being an atheist means. There have been some very vocal atheists who've pointed out not just that religion is wrong, but that it's ridiculous. These people, many of whom have lived in North Oxford, have argued... (laughs) they've, They've argued that believing in God is akin to believing in fairies and essentially that the whole thing is a childish game. Now, I think it's too easy. I think it's too easy to dismiss the whole of religion that way. 
and it's as easy as shooting fish in a barrel. And what I'd like to inaugurate today is a new way of being an atheist. If you like, a new version of atheism we could call Atheism 2.0. <laughs> now, what is Atheism 2.0? Well, it starts from a very basic premise. Of course there's no God. Of course there are no deities or supernatural uh, spirits or angels, etc. Now let's move on. That's not the end of the story. That's the very, very beginning. I'm interested in a kind of constituency that thinks something along these lines, that thinks, I can't believe in any of this stuff. I can't believe in the doctrines. I don't think these doctrines are right, but, very important but, I love Christmas carols. Uh, I really like uh, the art of Mantenia. I really like looking at old churches. I really like turning uh, the pages of the Old Testament. Whatever it may be, you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. People who are attracted to the ritualistic side, the moralistic, communal side of religion, but can't bear the doctrine. Now, until now, these people have faced rather an unpleasant choice. It's almost as though either you accept the doctrine, uh, and then you can have all the nice stuff, or you reject the doctrine, and you're living in a sort of spiritual wasteland under the guidance of CNN and Walmart. <laughs> so that's a sort of tough choice. I don't think we have to make that choice. I think there is an alternative. I think there are ways and I'm being both very respectful and completely impious of stealing from religions. If you don't believe in a religion, there's nothing wrong with picking and mixing, with taking out the best sides of religion. And for me, Atheism 2.0 is about, in both, as I say, a respectful and an impious way, going through religions and saying, what here could we use? The secular world is full of holes. We have secularized badly, I would argue. And a, a, a thorough study of religion can give us all sorts of insights into areas of life that are not going too well. All right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want to talk about this one. <laughs> Go ahead, though. You're okay. up. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think this is uh, pretty interesting that uh, we want to... Uh, still be atheist. We want to pick and choose. Still want to, we still want to go uh, Christmas caroling, uh, though we're going to say that 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 God is as ridiculous as the tooth fairy. Um, so okay. So the first point I would make uh, is I think that he actually has a point at the beginning about the new atheists that are just kind of um, uh, lumping people who believe in God with people who believe in Santa Claus or the tooth fairy. I think this is why the new atheists aren't that deep. You know, they're really just cycling, recycling the old arguments. Um, with a British accent, uh, and so, uh, and so, uh, you know, if, if you if you really take the time to digest the arguments, that's awesome. of the, of the, <laughs> that should be a bump. Uh, if you really take the time to digest the arguments of the new atheists, there's really not a lot there, not a lot that's new for new atheism. Secondly, I would you like to sound so smart though. <laughs> I would like to also point out that uh, that this is a mixing. This is a uh, uh, okay. Atheism 2.0 that this gentleman describes here um, is atheism for the mystic. You know, so so you you want you don't want to believe in God, but you still want to sing praise songs. <laughs> you know, you, you want the you want the romantic feel of of religion. Uh, you know, the the good parts the the the, the warm fuzzy feelings when you when you gather around uh, with, with family and, and 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 Christmas trees, but you don't want uh, to acknowledge anything of reality that exists there. 
So I think that there's this this desire of um, there's some sort of a, a desire for the mysticism of re, of religion that people that the atheists don't want to cling to. And then after the break, I'll finish up uh, this this uh, little critique here, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll finish up this game of the predictable pastor, and then we'll try to get in a little bit of Table Talk Jeopardy. Uh, after this break. If you're listening to Table Talk Radio, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Men and boys proudly display feats of strength this festivus day. From the rooftops through the town, there our voices will resound. Lift our spirits from the dust, spread the joy of Festivus. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts. I want to vote for the new uh, bump music or theme song, uh, whichever it is. Um, I like Evans better, uh, so my vote would be for that one. All right, just a reminder of uh, the votes <laughs> that had already come in for the theme music. Uh, it was this, I don't know. This, there was some voter fraud. <laughs> Is that your sister? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's completely objective. Well, who was that then? That's what I want to know. Here, I'll play the whole thing. I want to vote for the new uh, bump music or theme song, uh, whichever it is. Um, I like Evans better, uh, so my vote would be for that one. Bye. No, that's all. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a listener. Don't worry, it's listener number fourteen, I think. Have you called her? Is she married? <laughs> would you be? Did you stop that? <laughs> did you hear what she said? All right, we are responding to. Uh, we're responding. Could be, that could, would you write your own wedding vows? Okay. I like Evan better. You're going on executive session, I think, for a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, okay. So we're responding to this uh, quote from playing the predictable pastor here on Table Talk Radio, yes. uh, talking about atheism 2.0, the kind of atheism where you can pick and choose from religions, that you, but you don't have to believe in, in God at all. Um, the last point I was going to say about this is simply to point out that we don't do that with atheism. That we don't say, you know, uh, this this whole... Uh, <laughs> Causing, <laughs> I don't even know what could we borrow from atheism. I, I can't even think of anything. Why <laughs> some some of this is just so appealing? Yeah, no. See, there's you don't have to believe in nothing just to be like an atheist. There's no, there's nothing about atheism that is appealing to the to the population whatsoever uh, that people would want to borrow from. So just a quick observation on that. Okay, so. How predictable am I, Pastor Wolfie? I only well, it, it didn't help the fact that I had actually never heard that quotation. <laughs> you could have you could have written some things down during. I the wrote quote. two things down after okay. I heard the quotation. I thought you'd talk about since I just knew it was about atheism. I thought you'd talk about natural knowledge, about how the world hates the church, about Jesus' humiliation. You'd talk about the fallacies of reason. But then after I heard the quote, I thought you would talk about empty ritual. You know how this talk about empty ritualism. <laughs> You know how people come along and they criticize the church? You're just nothing but a bunch of empty ritualists? Yeah. Atheists say that, you know? You're just a <laughs> yeah. bunch of empty rit- Now Atheist 2.0 says, we want nothing but a bunch of empty ritualism. It's <laughs> amazing. And then I thought you would talk about the key point, mysticism. How our flesh, our sinful flesh is bent towards mysticism, which you did. Which gets me 200 points. Whoa, we're tied up. All right, let's play some Table Talk Jeopardy with the last seven minutes of the program. Um, so the the, <laughs> the uh, table talk Jeopardy category I have for you is 
is eschatology. And uh, these questions I ripped off from you back in, remember years ago we did the End Times edition of Table Talk, Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are the exact questions you asked me. <laughs> really? So you did more show prep today than you even thought. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what, and what category do you have for me? I have the preaching of St. Paul in the book of Acts. I'll take that for 100, please, Alex. Okay. Out of the seven sermons that Paul preaches in the book of Acts, uh, there is only one, this one, that he preaches to Christians. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I probably should have done a little review of the book of Acts before this thing. <laughs> yes, probably. Well, um, after his conversion, he goes and, and talks to some of the Christians. It certainly isn't preaching. Uh, I do not know. I, I'm sorry. It, I'm going to have to resign. That's this. all right. The, the answer or the question is, what is Paul's sermon in Miletus to the Ephesian Miletus. elders? Miletus. Uh, Acts chapter 20. You got it. Oh, very wow. good. Okay. You're down. You lost 100 points just right there. <laughs> all right. What do you want? Uh, I want uh, eschatology for 100, please. This isn't fair because you know all these. <laughs> the belief that the 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 belief or the eschatology that keeps the eye out for the rapture, the sudden and secret disappearance of all Christians. What is dispensationalism? Correct. One. Right. Secret rapture, false doctrine. By the way, every Bible passage about the rapture is uh, talks about trumpets. The voice of the archangel, which if you want to make sure that something is not secret, then what you do is you have the archangel shout trumpet. concurrently with it. You blow the trumpet. Sheesh. Very good. By the way, when you look at the two texts, the texts are 1 Corinthians 15:51 and following and 1 Thessalonians 4:13 and following. What you see is Paul teaching that there will be different things happening when Jesus returns. The dead will be raised and the living will be changed. So he's answering the question, what happens to us who are still alive at the return of Jesus? And the answer is, we're changed. So the raptured teaching there is really the resurrection of the living. And it's clear in the text if you got it. Just go read those texts and you'll see it. It's like, oh, duh. <laughs> what was I thinking? I know. I'll take the preaching of Paul for uh, 300, please. Okay. The first sermon that Paul preaches in the book of Acts in Antioch <laughs> is preached in the synagogue, and it has this theme. According to the promise, God raised up of Israel a Savior. And uh, I'm not, I should have written down this question. But anyways, the answer is, uh, who is this Savior? <laughs> who, is the savior that, who is the Savior that Paul preaches about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, who is Jesus Christ? Right. You got it. Two hundred points. Three hundred. I said three hundred. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. Just making stuff up. Anyway, this is the theme that Paul preaches here. So the text is in Antioch. So Paul's first sermon is to, is in the synagogue, and uh, Acts chapter thirteen. And this is the theme, verse twenty three. According to the promise, God raised up of Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now we notice that this is really quite stunning. Because Paul's first sermon is in the is in the synagogue, and his text is the Old Testament. Paul's next sermon is not in the synagogue, so that comes from that'll be my next question or my next answer. Hmm. Okay, your turn. Uh, eschatology for whatever's next. Two hundred, please. Two hundred. 
the teaching that expects the gospel to spread to all the earth and bring about the so-called golden age of the church. What is post-millennialism? That is correct. This used to be popular back before the wars happened. Because everyone said, hey, look at all these cars and things. Stuff's getting better around here. Mm. We're bringing about the golden age. And then the World War One and World War Two happened, and people said, oh, never mind. It's going to take a lot longer to get to the golden age now. There are some reformed guys that still hold to this. R.C. Sproul, etc., still holds to postmillennialism that Jesus will turn after the church is so uh, kind of uh, taken over the world with its doctrine that things will be great for a thousand years, and then Jesus comes back. So. Which is interesting because it seems like... <clears throat> Just from observance of the world, that things are getting worse, <laughs> you know. And 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 uh, before before the coming of Christ, uh, the scripture talks about that that Satan will be loose. That the um, uh, is this where we talk about that 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 the, the gospel uh, really has no no sway at all in in the um, uh, in the in the in the world. <clears throat> yes, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, my kingdom is not of this world, says Jesus, and they say, hey, kingdom. Everyone else says, hey, Jesus, shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Sure, your kingdom will be of this world. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Uh, I'll take uh, Paul for 500. Uh, Paul, oh, there you're going for the big money. I'll, let me make this answer <laughs> hard. Uh, Paul preaches his second sermon about making the unknown God known in this place. Um, Second recorded sermon, I should say. Uh, you know, we just read... <clears throat> excuse me. We just read this um, in Bible class on Tuesday night, and um, the most specific that I can get is Mars Hill. So what is Mars Hill? That's right, Mars Hill okay. in Athens. Good. We're going to go there. Can you believe this? We're going to be there in a few months on Mars Hill are in you, Athens. Are you going to see oh. the inscription to the unknown god? I don't know if that's there or not. Hmm. Hmm. But that's pretty, that is a pretty amazing account. So, so Paul walks in, he sees these guys worshiping this god which they do not know. And, uh, and Paul goes, hey... I know who God is. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> right. And then he quotes, this is the, he bring, he, Paul quotes in here, we are his offspring. That's from the, uh, this poet, Aratus, I don't know how to, A-R-A-T-U-S, who lived 310 to uh, 240 B.C. And so he, so here Paul is, preaches first in the synagogue and quotes the scriptures. Then he quotes at Mars Hill and he quotes the poets. That's amazing to me. And then the next sermon, by the way, in Miletus, he's preaching to Christians and he quotes Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So the the text for Paul's sermon is is uh, he always chooses based on the people who are listening to him. I mean that's a can you imagine Paul? This guy is just flat out genius. So here's the outline of the sermon. By the way, I have it here. Paul, the introduction: You're pious but ignorant. <laughs> Part one: God made everything, even to even you. Part two: You shouldn't then worship the things that you make. Part three, the idolatry, this idolatry will be judged by the appointed man, designated so by the gift of his resurrection. That's Jesus. Just beautiful stuff. Amazing. What's more amazing is the score. Uh, I have 800, Pastor Wolf, and there are 500 uh, coming out on top, even with missing one of those uh, Jeopardy questions. Amazing. All right. Uh, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like atheist praise songs.
You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.